Grace. And there is absolutely no way you 
not our go-between. So here, he is our great high priest, but look at that. The writer says, who has gone through the heavens? Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Now, I'm, I'm, I think when you read that, you think, well, of course he was. Of course he was without sin. He was God. Yeah, but for 30 years, for 33 years, he was definitely human. And so the fact that he did not sin was also by choice he made by <coughs> using the tools. He used the tools. He used what God the Father gave him just like he gives to us. The scriptures, the Holy Spirit, and he is going to prove to us that there is no temptation too great. And I had you look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There's no temptation too great. If you look to the Lord for the way to see. And there, that's why you've got to read up the verse. See, it's in that verse that we have, so many people have kind of made up um, Scripture that it, does, it doesn't say, it says that he will not, we will not be tempted without having the ability to face that temptation with power. That's one of the tools. On the day of our salvation, we were given that power, his Holy Spirit. But we have to choose to activate that Spirit or we're going down. So we have the tools that we've got to learn how to work. We've got to learn how to work these tools because that verse does not say he will not give us more than we can bear. Now, how, how many of us have thought that was scripture? And it is not. That is not a scripture verse. People have taken it from 1 Corinthians 10, 13 about how temptation is too great. Have you ever thought that he has given you more than you could bear? Yeah, I've felt that many times. But he wants us to feel that way. He wants us to get to that point that we think we can't bear anymore. Because what will that cause you and I to do? Go on. Cry out. Ask for his help. Believe his promises. So that's why that verse, that is not verse. He does, he does sometimes bring us to a point where we think we can't go it anymore. And he said, I would say that he loves it when we throw our hands up and we say, I can't do it anymore. He said, good. I finally got you where I want you. Because now I'm all you got. And you're going to find out I'm all you need. So, but, but the verse does say that no temptation is too great. Now, you can come up with all your excuses on that one and say, oh yeah, couldn't help it. I mean, the devil just was too strong. I couldn't do it. I don't care. You can use all those excuses you want, but that too is a lie that the enemy is causing. Because according to James, the devil can just take you to a point, just like he did with Jesus. He's going to show exactly how he tempts, and he's good at it. And he knows how to appeal to us. Did you notice the three temptations? The first one, appeal to his physical self. Oh, that's a good one. And we're usually really suckers to that. Because we don't want to be unhappy and miserable. We want to be comfortable and have everything going our way. And so he just wants to appeal you to a saying, wow, this, if you have this, then all will be fine. All will be perfect. 
You'll be comfortable and happy just the way you want. He loves to appeal to our physical self. The second one, he went after. He went after how you can take verses out of context and how you can twist them to meet your wantings. You wanted to say this. This is the way you just lifted. You take that one verse right out of there. I also think when Jesus came back and said, you are not to test the Lord of God. How many times have we, we call up over and over? If you just get me through this, if you just get this past me, if, it, if you just have this doctor's test come out fine, then I'll do this and this and this. And we start testing the Lord our God. And we start bartering if you do this, then I'll do this. In other words, you're really not trusting them with this perfect will. You're saying, you do your part, and then I'll come through and do this for you. It doesn't work that way. When you're bartering with them, when you start putting conditions on it, you are not trusting that he knows what he's doing. So he loves to play with our mind. I think that second one is when he's working our mind. And then the third one is, boy, I'm telling you, he knew just where to go after this. Materialism. If you just achieve that position, if you just get this much wealth, if you get this much fame, if you get this much, oh, oh then, then I've experienced this. See, what I mean about, he just knew where we are suckers to that. All three of them. So this morning, I really got going with this. I really got going because I said, we have got, why is this in scripture? Why do we have to hear about this? I don't like talking about the enemy. I don't like to give him the time. The only thing is, we cannot stick our head in the sand and pretend that we don't have an enemy and that we're at war. Every day of our life is at war. We are at war with, with Satan. Who, this, let me tell you, this is how he tempts. He started in Genesis 3, and I'm telling you, he is so good at it. He started it, you know, we, we approached Eve, and just said, did God really say, would you know, cause doubt, See, what the bottom line, and this is what he's good at, if he could just take our eyes off the Lord and put them on ourselves, he's got us. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. And he knew how to appeal. Look at how he used three ways that are, are so hard for humans. So just be mindful of the fact that he only wins when, when you take your eyes off the Lord and you put them on yourself. That's why James says, you can't even blame the devil. Yes, Satan did his job. He got your eyes off, off the Lord and on to you, but he couldn't make you do it. That's why you want yourself to blame. But it's helping me to realize that he can only do so much. Now, he's good at it. However, if we have the greater power, and I love talking about this because the Holy Spirit is power, and it's not a muscle power. It is a power that helps you stand against that temptation you can look at it straight in the face, and if you activate that power, which is greater than the enemy, it's greater than yourself. You choose to activate that greater power. And this is what Jesus is showing us. Not because it's easy for him, because he's God. No, this visual that we're watching. So glad, even though it was word for word scripture, you saw that it was not easy for him. In his human self, he was hungry. 
And that lousy devil said this, Yes, if you are really the Son of God, man, I'll tell you, in my own human self, if something challenges me with, with something like that, it's like every part of me wants to say, Okay, I'll prove it to you. But you know what Jesus did? Even though I'm sure there was part of him, that human nature part of him, that said, Wait, what? I want to show you. And I could not only just turn these rocks into bread, I could turn it into a buffet. But instead, he knew what the devil was up to. And it wasn't easy for him. So as we read these verses, look, if you are the Son of God, I mean, he's 40 days and 40 nights fasting. He is hungry. And then we've got the devil coming and he's saying, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answers back. This is why that Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, keep remembering what you've learned so that you can come back with a verse of scripture, or you can come back with what you know to be true. Because look at Jesus came back to he in all of his weakness, he came back and said, It is written. The Bible says, God says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Where, where was that written? I didn't know. So I looked it up. And it was written, Moses wrote it in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And then when you take this verse and put it in the context of what it was written, boy, did Jesus know how to do this verse. The Israelites had wandered years in the wilderness. And that clicked to me because I thought Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. The Israelites had been in the desert wandering for 40 years. It's 40 days between the resurrection and Pentecost. So listen to the words that Moses wrote. He said to the people of Israel, now you be careful. You be careful to follow every command that you give me. So that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised and oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these four years. To humble you. To test you in order that you will know that you, in order to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. See, God's going to test you. See, we're not to test God, but he's going to test us to see if we're just a bunch of hot air. If we just, if words are cheap because we've been raised in all of our religion. Sometimes he's got to test us to see if our words really have gone to the depths of our heart that we not only listened, we not only believed, but we are obeying. So Moses is saying, now look, God knows what he's doing. He's not always going to make you comfortable and happy. He's going to test you to see if your words really have taken root. If what you have learned have taken root, if the words that are on these pages have taken root, then you're not just a bunch of emotion that you get pumped up and then you face life and down you go. So he says, he humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers have known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus quoted it perfectly. 
So what does he mean? Man does not live on bread alone. What could he have done? He could have turned, he could have turned those stones into bread, and he could have, he could have relieved his hunger. But what, you know, in a physical sense, see, I, I think I could live on bread. That's the one food group I, I could pass on everything else. You give me a loaf of good bread, that would take me the whole day. Did you know that would never work? Our bodies would never work on just bread. So in a physical sense, I need all the nutrients to make my body work properly. I, I do not live on bread. So in a physical sense, I get that. But I think here on a spiritual sense, he's saying, you just can't go to the Word of God and read what you just want to read. You just can't go and pick out verses that you love. You've got to go and you've got to take every word. Because sometimes, like I've read tonight, sometimes you need to repent. Sometimes you need to be corrected. Sometimes you need to have a good look at yourself. Sometimes you need some teaching and some training. You ought to hear the whole thing. You cannot just live what you want. You got to take all. And then you saw how the devil turned to the Holy City. The Holy City. That's Jesus' city. That's, that's Jerusalem, his city, the Holy City. Took a, to the highest point of the temple. Started the same one. If you really are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written. See, now look at him. Now he's being big shot. Look at him. I'm going to throw a scripture back in your face. Why don't you just prove that that verse is true? Is God's word really true? That's pretty much what he's saying. See, and that to me, what I, I think Jesus was had a real fight going on because he would have just loved to put Satan in his place. I think Jesus would have just loved to say, hey, I can call 10,000 angels. Or I don't even need the angels. Did you, did you know that this, this enemy, this devil, did not step? It said at the end of our, at this little point, that this Satan had left him. Probably for a minute and a half. He was nipping at Jesus' heels the whole time. And he took a big old fight out of him on the cross. And here again, Jesus heard similar words. If you are who you are, save us and save yourself. Prove that you are who you are. Okay, Jesus doesn't look that way. I'm sure every part of his human self wanted to. You just can't, you just can't say, lift those words and say, prove it, prove this word. That's why I think this, this whole bargain that we do with God. If you do this, then I'll do this. How about that? Jesus came back and said, You don't test the Lord your, your God because you don't trust Him. Again, the devil tried to control Barry. I'm showing him all the kingdoms of the world in your spot. All of this I'll give you. You just bow down to me and worship me. There was, I'm sure again, there was part of Jesus that said, What are you talking about? It's all mine to him. Don't you know who you're talking to? I am Cam on a thousand hills. The wealth in every month. Remember that old song? You see, there's part of it. Even though you're appealing to my flesh, 
Did you notice? I'm so glad again, the visual. Jesus, even though he was in a weakened state, Jesus said to him, Even, I mean, if it took every last little punch, he said, away with me, Satan. For it is written, I worship one Lord. I worship the Lord, worship the Lord your God, and serve him only. Oh, you're good at appealing. You're, you, you know, you, this if business, oh, I would just love to prove it to you. But I'm not going to listen to you. Worship God and Him only. And the devil left him, and the angels came out and tempted him. So, do you face temptation every day? Yes. See, that's why I, I want, even though, no, I, I don't like these verses, but I have to say, I appreciate it more now that I've studied it. More now than ever. Because it has brought me into the reality of what I face every day. I've got to be aware. I cannot stick my head in the sand. I cannot just pretend, oh, you know, we've got an enemy, but, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. No, we're in a war. And he is so good at it. And he appeals to my weaknesses. I have to be aware. Because I face temptation every day. And he is good at it. He's sneaky. So how do I ward him off? Okay, I'm in reality. How do I ward him off? He's affected, and I'll tell you, he really starts working on you. The closer you get in your walk with the Lord Jesus, and the more you you are letting him change you into one of his, and you start, people start seeing a difference in you. Oh, he hates that. He, he wants you to look like everybody else. And when you start having the light of Jesus come out of you, when you start becoming bold and strong and courageous for his name, he says, I'm going after him. i got to stop this one. i got to quiet her. i got to get her so defeated that she'll give up. And you know when you're defeated, I tell you, the easiest thing to do is what? Give up. So I'm telling you, this is war. And so how do you fight back? You have to stay in his word. And what is this? I had to look it up. What did Paul say? He understood. Paul understood. And so he wrote about it. And he said in Ephesians 6, I'll tell you, you better put on every morning, you better put one on. You better put on that full armor of God. You better put on that full armor of God. But you know what that full armor really means? I really just discovered that, I just discovered that when you look at those pieces of armor, that armor really is your relationship with Jesus. And how strong is it? How close are you to him? How willing are you are to listen, to believe it, and to obey? And the more that becomes a reality, that's your pieces of armor. That's the belt of truth. That's the that is the a breastplate of righteousness. That is the helmet of salvation. Your feet are firmly planted in the gospel. You have the shield of faith. You have the sword of his spirit. Every one of the pieces of armor have to do with your relationship with Jesus. And if it's wavering or if it's weak, and if you're not seeking, if you're not working at this, guess what? You've got a big old crack in your armor. That's why it's so important that we keep working at our relationship with him because that's, that deems how strong our armor is. You know, it's just not getting up in the morning and saying, 
oh my God, put this up and put this up. I know. I put on Jesus. And I want to make sure that I understand him today, that I am listening to his promises, that I'm listening to wisdom and not folly. What did we we discover? And we're going to see light again. You think about that word light until we get there. Every week so far, we've been talking about light, whether it's the wise men following the light of the star. Last week, it was the Holy Spirit that came on Jesus and enlightened him. That same spirit can do the same to us. And what did we learn about? Where does the light take us? Where did the light take the wise men? To the right place. The light will always take us to the right place. Okay, now, I think this is why Matthew didn't want us to stop here. Because he wants us to live tonight in victory. He wanted to take the first type of lesson and say, I want you to know what you're up against. I want you to be aware of the enemy. I want you to be aware of what your full, what your piece of armor all stands for. That you have to work at this. That this is war. So we needed that reality. But then he says, now, let's go back to Jesus and let's see how he, how he lived in probably the hardest times. That's why we don't have anything on Jesus, even though our world might be falling apart. Guess what? Jesus' world was falling apart. That's why remember Hebrews 4, in your worst of times, he knows what the worst of times is about. So let's see how he dealt with the worst of times. So when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Nectar, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Here we go again. Wonderful work, Matthew. Every chapter so far, he has brought us back to the Old Testament, showed us that everything that the prophets prophesied from God's word, when God spoke to the prophets and he, and he detailed everything that was going to happen, even though it was going to be hundreds of years later, we're living on this side and our mouths drop. Last week we saw that Isaiah talked about the forerunner, the one coming before, and he would be in the desert. Where was John the Baptist? In the desert. Everywhere. Now we watched we watched Isaiah talk about cities. Cities like Capernaum and Zebulun and Naphtali. Look, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way to the city along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness, they see a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Isaiah prophesied about Jesus. And there he is. Now, can I just insert it here a minute? As we have learned about how intricate prophecy was fulfilled, we're living in prophecy right now ourselves. We know that they lived in the prophecy that Jesus was coming. He was coming to save the lost, the hopeless, through grace and perfect blood. He did it. We live in prophecy. And what's our prophecy? He's coming back. And we also live in the prophecy that, hey, he told us that judgment's coming. And again, you might not want to go there. 
You may not want to hear the word repent in your sermons. But you're going to see that was Jesus' first word when you start preaching too. You've got to hear that if you want to know what forgiveness is. If you want to know that you've got to journal home with him. You have got to know this. And he's coming back. And this time he's not coming to save. He's coming to what? He's coming to judge. We've already been saved, so he's going to gather his children together. What day that's going to be? However, he's coming back to judge. And you cannot deny that. And this prophecy was fulfilled to the letter in the Old Testament. It's going to be fulfilled exactly the way he said it. Wake up. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent. Same words as John the kingdom of heaven, your salvation, your hope, your redemption is near. Your future is near. The promise that you can hold on to with blessed assurance is near. As Jesus was walking inside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, but they were fishermen. They were fishermen. Now that was a respected occupation. But was it socially high on the totem pole? Was it a, a prestige? I mean, you looked at those guys. I mean, Andrew was very bad. You got, you got Peter that was just, I mean, they were just plain. Just everyday Joes. I loved the way, the way Jesus picked and who he picked. Because it, it had nothing to do with anything of what man can do. He just picked average folks. It's just like you and I. Jesus called them, and immediately 
they love to vote and just a hunter. And follow him. Now, I really watched their father. And he watched it. And I kind of, tonight especially, I kind of looked at James and John. And you know, they never They never looked back. Because if you would have saw your dad, would, would you get the temptation to think, what the world am I doing? See, saying that has a way of having a crack. And then self goes in and says, I can't do that to him. Now, the thing about their father, though, is he stood there holding the net. And he's getting older, he's depending on his voice. I looked and looked in that white space to try to find their father saying, Hey, wait a minute. Hey, I'm paying a lot of money for this boat. We've got a living to make. I looked and looked, and I didn't see it. He stood there, and I'm sure he had questions. I'm sure if you wonder, what am I going to do? But sometimes as parents, what do we have to do to our children? And trust that Jesus lays them. the truth. 
Jesus knew that he was, he was, this is a big transformation from the Old Testament about building in a prophecy and then convincing them that he's the one. Especially when he didn't come the way they thought he was going to come. That he wasn't going to look the way they thought he was going to look. So his word is still the most important and the most prominent. But you know what I heard Jesus say? I'll do whatever it takes. To prove to them I am who I am. To get them here so then I can tell them. And it was working. Because look, they were coming from all of Large crowds from Galilee, from the Decapolis. The Decapolis, that was um, and that was a certain area that constituted about five, six, seven cities. So when he said the Decapolis, that's a big area. So we see Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the reason and the region across the Jordan. But even though they were still just consumed yet with this area, because remember what Jesus said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. He's concentrating on this Jerusalem, Judea area right now. You know, the area of the 12 tribes of Israel. That area, if you look on the back, that is concentrating on that area first. But look, they still have a long way to come. You look at a map and you find that they made an effort. Whether it was curiosity or whether it was testimony. And I, and I just have a tendency to believe that it got to be more and more tested. Because people's lives were being changed. I still believe that God's word and our testimony is still the most powerful way to bring them. When we say God says, the Bible says, and people can see because we're changed and our testimony. That is what brings people in. It worked for the Samaritan woman. And I believe that this is what was happening. People were coming by the droves. They were willing to work at it. They were willing to put self aside and put miles and and trips and whatever it took. I think there's a lesson there too in our busy world. I had a lady stop me in the parking lot this morning. She rolled her window down and she said, if I wasn't in my car right now, I'd give you a real big hug. She says, you keep saying it like that. So busy that before I know it, 
choose to make it a priority. You don't deep, didn't realize that you're in a war and you need it. Because if you really believed it, you'd be doing it. Because it is hard in and of ourselves. But we have no excuses. And I think this is what Jesus taught us in this chapter. Yeah, we're faced with temptation all the time. But he's nothing compared to our Jesus and his spirit. Father, thank you for this lesson. It is just what we need. May, may we just be tormented when we come up with excuses that we think are good. Lord, you love us enough to give us everything we need, but you, but you can tell if we want it that Lord, may we want it. Because if we seek, just like these people that came from all over, they were seeking truth, and they found it. The same goes for us. Are we going to put forth the effort to find what we need? Blessing of all time. Watch it be the abundant life that this world can't give. Father, we thank you for kind of looking at it straight in the face tonight, grabbing us by the face and saying, Now listen to me. We bring this up in our Savior's name, who made it all possible. Amen. Good. Have a good day.